listening to the quarter to three games podcast for the week of early july and specifically for the game the secret world my name is tom chick and my game of the week is not star wars the old republic i'm jason mcmaster and my game of the week is not dragon's dogma i'm chris hornbostel and my game of the week is not alan wake that's always a good safe choice if you ask me A very timely choice, too, Chris, because uh, I'm seeing a lot of Alan Wake in what I've been playing lately. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Secret World just came out. This is an MMO from Funcom. Uh, you can also see, as well as some Alan Wake in it, I see little bits of Age of Conan in it, which is appropriate, considering sure. that was Funcom's last MMO. Uh, it's published by EA. I also see little bits of EA in there. Uh for good or ill. Uh, we have just come through our early launch weekend. Uh, the game actually comes out for the unwashed masses today. Uh, and we have all three been playing it over the weekend. Uh, there's a weird situation where, Chris, you actually are not under this embargo because you are, uh, you, are, you got the game on your own. Uh, McMaster and I have these press accounts, and EA, for some weird reason, was like, okay, we'll give you a press account, and you can be part of the early start, but you can't write anything about the game until Tuesday when the actual game comes out. Uh, so uh, McMaster and I have had to be kind of a, li- a little bit mum about it. Uh, but now all uh, all restrictions are off, no limits. We can say whatever we want, uh, and that's what we're going to do for the next hour or so. So thank you for joining us, and uh, we might we should tell you we might spoil some things in Secret World. So, yeah. and oh, yeah. July third, by the way, guys. Yes. What a great day this has been so far. July third. Why is July third a great day? Well, he doesn't get it. You can't. Never you can't mind. use date jokes on Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Go on. But wait, I don't understand why July third is a great day. I. I mean, it's the. It's America's birthday eve. Is that what it is? And launch day for the secret world. Oh, right. Which I assume is when Yuri and Jason's embargo goes up. Right. Right. Yes. Right. (laughs) So on this this great day, let's briefly say uh, none of us is out of Solomon Island yet. Is that correct? That is correct. That that is correct, yes. I'm so – that for me is like the goal. I really feel like I need to get to Uh, Egypt and see what the next area is like uh, to – to, I mean, to really sort of flex my opinion and to sort of finalize things. And I'm not sure, I think of the three of us, I'm going to end up being the most reserved about this game. I'm guessing you two are, are pretty enthusiastic about it so far. Chris, how do you feel about it so far? Uh, the things I like, I like a great deal. And the things that I don't like about it, definitely are problematic for me. But it sounds that like... That makes sense. No, that, that makes sense. Uh 
in uh, the early hours and realizing that we are all still in the early hours, one of the, well, not ironies, but one of the sad facts of, of an MMO is that you can say, all right, I've got 30 hours played, but I'm still early on in the game. I can't, yeah. I can't say for sure. Right. right. Um, so, but in those early hours, are the, the things that you like, Chris, overcoming sufficiently the things that you don't like? So far they are, but I can also tell you that I can see them being things that could eventually drive me away from the game, if that makes sense. Sure. All right. All right. Well, then, you know, Chris, it sounds like you have some reservations as well, which we'll get into. McMaster, in a nutshell, how do you feel about it? Um, well, how I feel about it is that if I get too excited about something, it will get canceled. Uh, because that's my luck with games I like. Uh, but I do like it quite a bit. Um, I think it's very interesting. Now, of course, there's issues. There's always issues, but it's 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 interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, then it does sound like we're all a little guarded. Then uh, yeah. I was I was expecting some unbridled enthusiasm. Oh no, uh, there will be. Uh, yeah, just, I was going to say yeah. we'll, we'll 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 get around to the unbridled enthusiasm. We're we're just trying to play it cool right now. Well, then, uh, what, for instance, then, Chris, is uh, one of the issues that you're... Well, you know what? Before we, get it, before we bridle the enthusiasm, let's let it run free, gallop, canter a bit. Uh, <laughs> here's, here's one of the things that I, wanna, that I always look out for when an MMO comes out. Uh, MMOs are so uh, kind of established as a formula. Uh, you know, World of Warcraft is the 800-pound gorilla... The elephant in the room, it's the design that everyone's trying to copy, and it's the success everyone's trying to chase. So, so many MMOs to me just feel like they're, they're, they're just World of Warcraft clones. So, what I tend to look for and what I tend to gravitate towards and want to talk about are the things that make a, an MMO different. So, let, let's consider that for a little bit with uh, Secret World. McMaster, why don't you start us off? What are, what are some ways that you feel that Secret World is unique as an MMO? I have never seen an MMO with puzzles quite like the Secret Worlds. Yeah. Okay. And uh, do you feel the puzzles are working for you? Yeah, you know, I like uh, the puzzles somewhat. Um, I'm, I, I like that they're there. Uh, the problem I have is not that I, I don't want to do them or anything, because I end up actually playing through a lot of them. I, I have a problem from almost like a design standpoint that, while I think it's awesome, I have a wonder how much of that's going to catch on with the general public. Mm -hmm. These are not easy puzzles. No. No, no, these, these are not World of Warcraft. You have a checkpoint, then you click on something that's flashing, and then you go to the next checkpoint. These are you-have-to-do-research kind of puzzles. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris, and you have to have access to a smart person. Do you guys have one of those, by the way, and can I borrow him? Uh -oh, yeah. I, I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> That's been one of my problems with some of the puzzles. Uh, Chris, give us an example of one of the puzzles that caused a problem for you. Well, um, I guess, I don't know if you guys did. The first puzzle that I did was from Madame Roger, who is a fortune teller slash floozy in Kingsmith that you yes. run into, and she's one of my favorite NPCs. I, I love her voice acting. But anyway... Um, Hers is fairly straightforward because you're just looking mostly at the map of Kingsmouth. Is it Kingsmouth or Kingsmouth? I don't know. I'm going to call it Kingsmouth because it's in New England. Yeah. But uh, 
if you look at the map carefully, you can kind of figure out the clues and kind of figure out where you're supposed to go. And you're just going from location to location. And then you get to the second to last clue that she gives you. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, that's not on this map. And it actually is on the map, but it's kind of not on the map. And you kind of have to do some exploration. You kind of have to know a little bit about history. You might have to do some Googling. And, yeah, so that one took me a while to get through that step. Now, one of the things that I would uh, bring up to defend the puzzles, even when they're frustrating, so far it seems to me that uh, the really difficult puzzle stuff is is pretty much optional. Oh, it's uh, completely as far as I've seen. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, so the part of what I respect about the game doing with these puzzles and making it making it play like a single player adventure game is that if you just want to play through as a regular combat based MMO, you can sort of figure which of these to skip. And what's more, if you get stuck on something, just don't do it. You, you know, I, I haven't found so far any major brick walls, although. As someone who does not have access to a smart person in his household, I have availed myself of Google quite a bit. So there have been a few times where I got stuck and I just either uh, alt-tabbed out or I opened the in-game browser or I used another computer and I went to Google and I typed Secret World and such and such and just sort of browsed through a few results and found someone who had the same problem I had and someone had told him how to get around it and I just did that. So I feel like the game, I respect that it's putting in these puzzles and I especially respect that it's letting me either do an end run around them or just completely subvert them for the most part. Now, here is my bigger problem with some of the puzzles, and that is that I don't feel the game is doing a good job of letting me know what the tools are that I have to try to solve the puzzles. And to give you an example, normally when you do a, a puzzle in a puzzle game, or an adventure game or something, it's very clear, here are my tools, here are the ways that I interact with the environment, here are the obstacles. You know, I combine those three things, and pretty much any game I should be able to figure out how to get around the obstacle. Many times, I don't know what the tools are in Secret World. And uh, just to give you an example, and, and I feel like if it did a better job, I would think, hey, this is a great idea. And to give you an example, there's one quest where, uh, and I love the tone of the quest, you find a journal of some boys who are monster hunters. You know, this is a little, uh, some of the areas in the world have little kind of uh, backstories. And there's a there's a, a woods with a treehouse, and there's all these terrible bugs building nests in the woods. And the boys that used to live in the treehouse had a monster-killing club. And at one point, you have to go through their initiation rituals. And that involves going around and, you know, finding Dead Man's Cave and poking a body with a stick. You know, I feel like the inspiration for a lot of that is uh, is Stand By Me. Or, or uh, what's the Stephen King short story? The Body, maybe. The um, Body, yeah. yeah. That's what it's the body. It's either that or like or like Monster Squad or the Goonies. Like that seems to be the vibe they're going for, and I really respect sure. that. But then at the end, you get to a, a filthy pond, and you have to spit in it. And so normally, the tools you have to do that sort of thing are you hover the mouse over something, and oftentimes it will obligingly glow orange to let you know that it's interactable. Sometimes it's, it's playing it closer to the vest, and you have to find the hot spot. But yeah. there's no such interactive point at this pond. And I even I was sitting there, I was trying to find the point, 
because this is an MMO, you have a constant stream of other people coming up behind you trying to do the same thing. You can sort of see people who know what the quest is because they played it in the beta. They just walk up and then they walk away and you know they somehow spit in the pond. Other people are as new and confused as you and you see them come up and you all shuffle around and you have that whole confused dance that another uh, character's avatar does when he doesn't know what to do and you know you're doing the same thing. Uh, so the solution to this, which I wished I had known, and I kind of will keep that in mind going forward, is you have to do a spit emote. And that involves, you know, hitting return to go to the chat window, hitting slash, and then typing the word spit. <laughs> now, now in it's theory... It's funny, because I was huh? going to say, Tom, did you try slash spit? Well, now, are there other t- places the game has done that? Because I was like, maybe, I was, I, I've got 30 hours played on this thing, and this was easily like 25 hours into the game, and I don't recall ever having to use an emote to solve a puzzle. And if I'd known going in that there was going to be stuff like that, I, I mean, I think that's a cool tool. And that reminds me of the text parsers in old adventure games, and I love that right. concept. But why didn't the game somewhere in these 25 hours let me know this is going to come up rather than having me shuffle aimlessly at this stupid pool for so long. Uh, so, Chris, you, uh, I'm going to nominate you for smart guy status because that was what came to mind for you. And yeah, I, have I, no actually, idea. I haven't done that uh, quest yet. Um, and you, you do raise a valid point because every other interaction thing is either has a yellow outline around it or it puts up the little gears icon yep. to show that you can interact with it and the the only way that I came up with did you try slash spit would be from playing other MMOs to be honest like old school MMOs like Dark Age of Camelot or something like that where that's how you would solve some of their story beats right right well, I'm glad to know it's there now, and I hope they use it more, by the way, because I, I love that as, as a concept. Um, so, McMaster, uh, what what kind of frustrations or delights have you run into with some of these puzzles? Um, well, I've actually done quite a few of the more difficult puzzles, because, uh, well, first of all, you refuse to deal with the church, because if I remember correctly, the preacher's a, a jerk or something like that. Wasn't, wasn't that it? Yeah, I didn't like the cut of his jib. <laughs> so... Um, Nice. So I've done some of his quests and stuff, and and the one that uh, I don't really want to spoil it. So if you're listening to the podcast, maybe skip a couple of minutes or something. But one of the coolest quests I've seen so far, uh, and it's completely broken at this point for me. It's not always broken for everyone. Is uh, there was a murders or a series of murders uh, in the city, and uh, a long time back. And you start looking into the case, and you have to eventually, you have to end up killing yourself so you can become a uh, ghost yeah, to do yeah. a large portion of the quest. Well, once you do, you go into the sheriff's office, you do a few things, and you come back out, and you're so, you see this, this white raven on top of a police car. Well, in theory, the raven is supposed to fly away, and you're supposed to follow it. Well... That doesn't always happen. I ran around, I jumped up and down on the Raven, I circled the police car, did everything. And so I start reading online. And uh, they say, okay, well, try going to these coordinates on your map if that doesn't work. So I get to these coordinates, and in a weird little semicircle, there's about 5,000 white Ravens. And there's only supposed to be one at each thing. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and they're all just constantly talking in voices of little girls and shuffling. 
And it's like this cacophony of horrifying dead children following you around. Uh, so that was a little weird. But that, oh, go ahead. But that's uh, it's it's such a cool quest that uh, you know it's easy to try to overlook that. Well, and the problem too is because the the tools are not clear and what the developers want you to do isn't always clear. When something is broken, that makes it even more frustrating because you don't you, know. Right. I didn't know if something was broken at that spitting pool or if I hadn't, wasn't doing the right thing. And I've run into a few quests where I'm, I'm pretty sure it was bugged and I just had to bail. I even, I don't know if you guys have, have you done any of the cool lighthouse stuff yet? I don't think I've done any lighthouse. Okay. There's a really cool sort of sub uh, I, I'll we'll just call these story areas, but there's a cool story area based on the lighthouse on Savage Coast. Uh, it's completely easy if you're doing the story stuff to skip it. Uh, there's only one little breadcrumb that sort of pushes you in that direction, but I would encourage Savage, Savage Coast folks, check out that lighthouse. It's worth diverting over there. But there's one quest where you have to use a telescope to look at something, and I have literally set up my computer to look at the spot based on what people were saying in the help channel, and uh, I don't know, maybe they were jerking my chain, but I'm pretty sure it sounded logical. You have to look at something at the telescope, and once you see an event play out, it's supposed to trigger the next level of the, of the, the, the quest. No such thing happened for me. I'm pretty sure it's broken. Uh, I let it sit there for the longest time, and that, that's just so frustrating because here was a quest chain I enjoyed. Uh, here was what should have been a cool solution, um, and it's just, it's just not working. And is it a me thing? Is it a game thing? Uh, and it's one of the ways that I feel that this is a typical MMO launch. You know, MMOs tend to launch with, with bugs, and there are things they'll have to fix. And these this really cool, unique twist they're offering, these puzzles that you don't normally get in an MMO, I feel if it's not working right, it's going to be deadly. Uh, and yeah. so that, that's one of my huge reservations. McMaster, you mentioned this is one of the cool selling points. But in a way, for me, I feel like it's something that's not quite ready for prime time. And it's killing my enjoyment of the game. Well, right. I mean, the fact that the I'm sorry. Yeah, the fact that the quest didn't really work at first kind of completely threw me off because you know I wandered around the city forever looking for things uh, to do uh, because I had no idea that a raven was supposed to take off. So you know, it's a yeah. It ends up uh, yeah. It does end up taking some of the fun out of it. Uh, the raven. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, the input I would have on both of those quests, and Jason, I ran in, I actually did the White Raven quest uh, this morning, real yeah. bright and early, and I actually ran into the same thing that you did, and what I discovered, and I think it also applies to maybe something that you found, Tom, at the White House, and there's also a fairly well-reported bugged quest called Men in Black Vans. Oh, I see so many game. people in chat talking yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah, And what it appears, it actually appears to be that it's a kind of almost a universal bug. If you played in any of the closed beta or beta weekends, everybody was on one server or they were on one of two dimensions on the same server. When they blew everything up to put the different shards onto that server for the launch of the the early access, apparently something with, that they did there broke some of their story quests. And the way you get around it is you basically go to general chat and you say, hey, I'm in 
gosh, the White Raven quest is called something or is called something wicked. Something say, wicked. Yeah. yeah, you sit, you type in there, hey, I'm in something wicked. Does any is anybody on a dimension that that quest is working on? Can you invite me to group? They pull you over to their dimension to join their group, and then you can go ahead and finish the, that quest step, which is a really painful workaround. And I did notice this morning uh, they did do a pretty extensive bug-related patch, and I really have my fingers crossed that before this goes live uh, on the 3rd, you know, which is actually tomorrow in about 12, 24 hours or whatever, that they try one more patch to kind of correct what seems to be a problem that was introduced when they put all the different dimensions into the game. Oh, God, that's so annoying, though. Uh, but okay, yeah, that's, well, that's I, I agree. good to know for a workaround. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Ask in general chat. <laughs> All right, so uh, so uh, Chris, what's something that you would think uh, that you think sets this apart from a, a typical MMO? So we've got the puzzles; that's a, a cool element. Uh, does anything else come right. to mind for you, Chris, that makes well, this yeah. unique? Something very broad that comes to mind, and maybe you guys are smarter than me and can remember something. But this is the first—I guess we'll call it a AAA MMO—that I have played that has a contemporary setting. I don't know if there have been any others uh, that have a contemporary, <laughs> fairly, you know, real-world setting. I mean, I got maybe one. Anarchy Online, but that's kind of near future. I, I got know. one. I got one. Ready? Sims Online. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. But no, I got a better one. Uh, the Matrix okay. MMO. Really? Okay. Yeah, like, wasn't that, wasn't I didn't that play that. <laughs> Yeah, that was contemporary. But no, you're right. You're right in that, you know, we've got plenty of fantasy options, plenty of sci-fi options, but as far as real-world locations, absolutely, yeah. And and how well are they using that location, do you feel, Chris? Well, I like it and I don't like it. Does that make sense? Uh, I, You know, you, once you get through your starting area, kind of your starting tutorial area, you get sent to this New England coastal island that's right out of Stephen King and right out of H.P. Lovecraft. And part of me says, this is great. It's a familiar horror setting. Familiar, you know, it feels right. But then the other part of me goes, man, I feel like I've been here so many times in fiction and in movies couldn't we go somewhere else, you know, in the United States? You know, there's so many other cool places where you could do kind of a scary, haunted something or other, and it wouldn't be New England. So, I, you know, for what it is, though, um, I think it uses its setting very well. It uses its setting really well as a storytelling aspect to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I mentioned it to a friend of mine and was telling him about playing it. He didn't know anything about it, so I was explaining it. I was saying, you know, it's it's got a lot of Lovecraft elements. And he said, oh, is it set in the 20s? And I immediately was like, wow, I, I wished it had been. <laughs> like, that would have been... <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I would like that, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what... So uh, what are some things we can see from... Uh, like, like, what are some ways that it really takes good advantage of the modern-day settings? Anything come to mind for you, McMaster? Like, what... What what can you do in a game that's a modern day real world setting that you can't do in fantasy and science fiction? Hmm. Well, I mean, science fiction you can do just about anything, but uh, outside of fantasy, well, you can use computers, you can use the internet. 
They do. They do have those yeah, uh, occasional little. Browser. Yep. Yeah. Well, well, then they have those uh, occasional little like computers where you can look at security cameras. And I've only seen two so far, so it doesn't seem like they're making much use of that. But yeah, you occasionally interact with computers. Uh, but I think it gets at what Chris was talking about, which is both a drawback and an asset, but just the familiarity aspect. Oh, of it. right. Just just knowing, you know, this is the movie. This is the setting we've seen in so many movies. This is, you know, the Alan Wake connection. Uh, and it, and that that just if you bring up, you know, what sets this apart from other MMOs, the familiarity of things, just the day-to-day familiarity, like the Innsmouth Academy. I've been running around in there and thinking, hey, Bully was a great game. I should go play Bully. <laughs> uh, you know, and the, the amusement park certainly is, is a, you know, that's that's a cool contemporary thing that you can't really do with a fantasy game or science fiction. Sure. Uh, so I, I really one like... thing uh, that also that is helped by the contemporary setting. If you're playing Lord of the Rings online and, you know, you're really trying to get into the wonderful setting of Lotro and somebody in general chat is talking about the Super Bowl or, you know, <laughs> the, the election campaign or something like that, it really kind of breaks the setting. And, hey, you know what? In the secret world, it's not going to break that setting because that's what, Everybody in this environment is talking about. And you know what? Furthermore, Chris, on the, along those lines, I don't mind so much the pop culture comedic riffs and references, like the, like the, the riffs on Homeland right. Security and stuff. It totally fits. It's not taking me out of the world because that's where the world takes place. You know, this is the world of right. pop culture. It's the world of today. Uh, so it, it allows them to do the kind of jokes that, that really kind of set my teeth on edge in World of Warcraft. Like, I hate the the Star Wars references in World of Warcraft. That That's annoying to me. Here, it fits. Uh, yeah, so so you can do that, and it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't break the immersion. By the way, that general chat, I cannot turn that channel off fast enough. I mean, that's... <laughs> oh, uh, that, yeah. yeah. Now, that's true yeah. of most MMOs, Pro but... Tip. Pro tip, turn that off when you start the game. Immediately, yeah. And, and, and even though that's true of most MMOs, here, part of what I hate is that there are people... I, I think they're kind of like spoilers, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and now we've got room to talk because we're kind of spoiling things here on the podcast. But, you know, you listen, you signed up for that. We warned you. Uh, but in general chat, I hate people saying, oh, I just did this and it was cool. You know, I don't want to know that. Wait till I get oh, yeah, there. No, that's yeah. awful. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So what? let's then talk about another what I feel is a, a selling point or it's a little bullet point that some people have been pushing. Uh the character progression, uh, the way the skills work, uh, the way you level up, and I'm putting quotes because this is a game without levels, supposedly. Yeah. Uh, how strong a selling point do you guys feel that is? Uh, Chris, how's the leveling working for you? Uh, you know, I'm enjoying a lot of it. Um, it feels like, especially because so many quests can be repeated, that... Okay, you know I can keep, uh, you know I can keep building skills, and I'm not really shoehorned into one area, and I can mm-hmm. go back and keep, you know I can grind to get more ability points and skill points. Um, the one drawback that I see to it is that you have trouble, like if somebody says, "Hey, I'm looking for people to help me with this particular quest." In World of Warcraft or Lotro or Rift, 
they say, hey, I'm looking for somebody level 48 to 50 to come right. help me yeah. with this quest. You can't really do that in the secret world. You can kind of say, what kind of quality level is your weapon and, yeah. and your gear at? And that's kind of how you can tell whether somebody is going to drop dead as soon as you get into combat. Well, levels really are a handy shortcut to, for people saying how, how powerful they are. And yeah. Yeah. And I'm not really clear why that's not in Secret World, because there are levels here. It's just the only thing missing is the number for the level. Uh, you, you don't see the number of times you've leveled up and earned uh, ability points and skill points. So I, I'm, I'm not sure why they took that number out, because it still is an important bit of information. Uh, McMaster and I did a, a dungeon yesterday. <laughs> it, it was the first dungeon in the game. And... Uh, one of the things I was kind of disappointed to discover, even though it made perfect sense and I should have known all along, was that when you group in, in Secret World, this is still very much a Holy Trinity game in that you need a tank, you need a healer, and you need DPS. Uh, that, that pattern that anybody who plays MMOs is familiar with can sort of be hidden from you if you're playing this game solo. But the moment you get thrown into a group situation, and Chris, you raised this point before, uh, when, before we recorded, that... Uh, they don't really do anything to encourage partying here. Uh, right. So when you go into a dungeon where it's a five-player instance, I mean, you, so there you are partying, uh, it, it hasn't really prepared you for the fact that, hey, you need to know whether or not you're tanking DPS or healing. So McMaster and I jumped into the dungeon and promptly realized, wait a minute, nobody's healing. <laughs> of course we're all going to die. <laughs> so I, I offered to play healing because I have someone who's using the blood magic and a sword and and there's a, there's a line of skills. One of the two lines of early skills for blood magic is obvious healing stuff. So I ended up playing this really cool instance, doing nothing but hitting two, 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 four. Two, 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 two. Oh, highlight that guy. Two, two, four, four. You know, I had my two things hotkeyed. There were only a couple of spells. It was one of the most tedious dungeons I've ever played. Such completely conventional, uninspired, old-school MMOing. Uh, it was horrible. Uh, and part of the problem we had, too, was our tank was not under-leveled, because we don't know what level he was, but was seriously under-geared. You know, he did not have the survivability a tank needed for this dungeon, so by the time we got to the end, it was just a series of, like, five failures before we threw in the towel. Now, if we had known going in, hey, you need to be this level, you know, that that's a convenient, right. shorthand way to tell you, don't try this content yet. And... I, I just feel it's a little pointless that Secret World is so shy about giving you that information. And the thing is, is you can do that because, you know, the skill point system, uh, you get, you know, you see a progress bar along the bottom of the screen go yes. up, and you get two ability points, and then on the last quadrant that it fills up, when that fills up, you get a skill point and, an abil and your third ability point. And that's basically a level. So if, Tom, you tell me how many skill points your character has, and I compare it to how many skill points my character has, exactly. I now know what level you are. Now, here's the little rub, though, Chris. I don't necessarily have equipped any upper-level right. skills. So if I've just been spreading all of my points around the inner ring, which are basically the starter skills for each of the... Uh, classes. Those are abilities. All them. Uh, ability skills, right. So skills, you're right. Good point. Uh, so if I've spread my ability points among that inner ring, just the starter skills, and I'm not using any of the powerful outer ring stuff, 
you know, I can have plenty of ability points uh, and still be completely weak, still still have the same kind of build as someone who's only played half as long as me. Uh, right. So, and that, that kind of is, in a way, reminds right. me... Oh, go ahead. You run into that, though, playing any MMO. You know, you run into that in WoW where somebody's got a healer and they totally narfed up their build, and you you don't realize it until you're in the middle of a raid, and you're like, oh, gosh. Right, right. Or we're doomed. (laughs) Uh, But they do encourage, you know, they they let you rejigger freely and play different classes freely. And, you know, I was using the assault rifle for a while before I decided I don't like this combo, and I just started putting points elsewhere. And it's not, I feel like it's not, except for the time I spent getting, putting for the points that were put in the assault rifle, I feel like I'm not being locked into anything or wasting my time. Uh, like I can totally just respec, and I say respec, I don't get any points refunded, but I can right. totally start funneling points into something else that I want to play. Uh, and, and so there's that, this kind of freedom that reminds me a little bit of Diablo 3. In that as you level up in Diablo 3, you're just unlocking skills, and then you play with them however you want. You know, you slot whatever you want. In Secret World, you get seven active skills and seven passive skills at any point. What you choose is totally up to you. And, you know, even though I spent some points on Assault Rifle, uh, if I want to use a couple of those, I can. Uh, Otherwise, I can mix and match any of the skills I've got in those basically 14 slots. So that reminds me a bit of Diablo, a bit of Guild Wars. Uh, I really like that aspect of it, uh, the sort of the freedom to just unlock a toy box and then combine the toys however you like. Um, sure, t- sure. T- tell me a bit about what kind of combinations you guys are using. So I'm I'm playing with this sword thing, which is a straight-up melee kind of tanking deal. And then I've also added in uh, blood magic, which lets you do a bunch of damage over time stuff uh, or healing stuff. Uh, and I've really enjoyed playing with this combo. Uh, what do you guys got going uh, McMaster, what kind of build are you playing with? Uh, I have shotgun and a little bit of chaos, but I'm considering changing that. That I'm mostly just shotgun right now. So everybody knows what a shotgun does. That's a nice sort of intuitive thing. You're just spreading damage around. What is your chaos doing? Uh, chaos does a bunch of things, but one that it does well is uh, like give you uh, boosts to uh, different attacks, uh, things like that. It's the... It's hard to really... Chaos is kind of the weirder of the magics, but... buffs, then, basically. Yeah, somewhat. Somewhat. Can can you, McMaster, if we group, can you buff me? Uh, I doubt it. Jerk. (laughs) I I think I only have, (laughs) like, like, one... Like you said, a choice, or are you unable to do it? Uh, uh, Both. (laughs) All right, fine. See see how much you get healed, McMaster. (laughs) Uh, Chris, what kind of build are you playing with? Uh, I am going with a shotgun and blades. I'm sorry, not shotgun, assault rifle and blades build. Mm-hmm. So what, explain the assault rifle, because I thought that was a little weird. Uh, what, do the assault, what does the assault rifle let you do? Well, what the, the thing I use it for is uh, almost straight-up DPS, mm-hmm. um, especially at range. And then when they get up close, I've usually got enough points built up that I can switch to my sword and finish them off. Plus, it does give me some uh, AOE, PBA AOE stuff that, you know, basically bring everybody, stack everybody on top of me, and then I can just take out an entire, you know, uh, radius circle around me. 
Mm-hmm. Now, what, what I'm getting at, though, is the assault rifle has, of the two base skill trees, one of them is healing. Like, it's a healing assault rifle. It, unfortunately, it's mostly a self-heal, uh, as far as I can tell right now. Um, now, what's the what's the real-world rationale for that, Chris Hornbossel? <laughs> well, it, it, as anyone who has been in the Persian Gulf in combat can tell you, it makes you feel better to shoot, shoot an assault rifle. Well played. It's like a morale booster, and that's represented in healing. Well played, Chris. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, no, so it's better to shoot than be shot at with one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, one thing to say about chaos magic as well, by the way, is that you can. It makes like weapons and stuff. Like you, you did you you saw that one ability, Tom, that I was using where I spin around in a circle with like some claws or whatever. That's a chaos magic thing. Yeah, that's and, called. I like to call that the Wolverine. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've seen guys doing that. That that is cool. Yeah, and they have a bunch of they have stuff like that. I mean, chaos is pretty cool. It's like uh, it's all ninja-like, but there's also what I meant with buffs is like that specific thing. Every time I would hit something with it, it would like stack to give me a percentage damage bonus. You know what? I have a question. This is something I've never known about MMOs. Is that what? Is that? Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and try to use a term. Is that? Is that procking? Well, yeah. Well, a proc is. <laughs> A proc is when any effect uh, uh, processes. Oh, proc so, stands for process? Oh. Yeah. It, well, you have sword, a sword. I mean, who knows? No, let's say you have a sword that does some special effect 10% of the time. So Procedure. One, one out of every 10 times, that process, it processes. That thing yeah. happens. That's right. what that means? Good Lord. That's a proc. Okay, well, thanks for explaining MMOs to me, because I, I, I've asked this of people and never really gotten a clear answer, so, all right, that makes sense. Uh, okay. Uh, all right, so uh, I now know something I didn't know before we started recording. Yeah, uh, it's they, it was talking about procedures in the game. It, like, triggers a procedure, and then it just got shortened to proc. Well, let's, let's talk a bit about this skill system and the uh, long-term viability of it. So what happens, uh, at least for me, and I'm assuming you guys are in a similar situation, is you're playing your character the first 20, 30 hours, and you fill up the base-level skills for two different things. You know, Chris, you're the assault rifle right. and the, the sword. Yep. McMaster, you're the chaos wolverine magic and the shotgun. I am the sword 56. and the, uh, the um, blood magic. So you fill up those two, and then, and that's fairly easy to do because the ability point or skill point, the ability points are co- coming quickly enough that you're constantly folding in new stuff. But then you unlock this outer ring of of like five separate uh, trees or basically lines of progression that are really super expensive. So where I'm at now is that I'm having to save up, you know, twenty, thirty, and, and eventually as many as fifty ability points at a time before I do any sort of progression. Uh, how do you guys feel about that sort of the, the pacing that you hit once you've unlocked the two lower levels? <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's like a classic, uh, you know, uh, online thing in a way. Um, and now I mentioned it to you when we first started playing the game, is that it reminded me of Gemstone and Dragon Realms, which you disagreed with because you're a jerk and um i don't even know what those are <laughs> oh uh, no those are uh they're kind of like really big muds do they have they, do they have procking 
Uh, I guess kind of. Uh, but they, uh, uh, the skill system in that, it, it, like, it was kind of level-based, but it was the level was based on how many of your skills you had increased, and it was all about the skills. That's how you got your levels, was you practiced the skills, you worked on skills, and uh, all that. Um, and in that game, as well as I imagine it's going to happen in this, is that it becomes this huge time sink just to get a little bit of progress and it some people i guess that's not going to bother but I, eventually i imagine they'll have to tweak the uh the curve uh, the well, and to be fair that's kind of the case with any mmo is that as you get higher levels it starts to take longer to get they, they want to drip feed those rewards faster to hook you at the earlier levels and then well, later, the, the reward process gets drawn out longer. And then you look at a game like World of Warcraft, where you can pretty much just get to the highest level on accident. You know, so uh, I don't know. I just think that World of Warcraft ruined a lot of MMO conventions and uh, online conventions, for that matter. Uh, I also i uh, I have some reservations about the longer term viability of this. Uh, in that I feel that the skills as they're currently presented, you know, the skills that are in there uh, are really uh, wonky and they're for numbers crunchers. Uh, I feel like there's very little, there's some flavor, but I don't feel like it varies that much in terms of rewarding you. Uh, and I want to give you another example. Uh, it's a little unfair to compare it to something as polished and as accessible as Diablo 3, but I can't help sure. doing that because I've been playing that a lot. But in Diablo 3... Uh, the skills, you know, the way that you can kill a monster is is necessarily limited. I mean, there are only so many cool effects you can have and gameplay mechanics. Uh, and what they do in Diablo 3 is they really do a great job of giving these mechanics flavor, even as they vary them in, in minor ways. And I'm going to give you an example. There's a class called a Witch Doctor. And one of the Witch Doctor's early attacks is uh, he summons frogs. And they're basically just kind of an area damage thing. He sprays out frogs, right. and anything standing in the way of the frogs takes damage. And that's a straightforward mechanic. You could maybe say it's analogous to the shotgun in Secret World. But what happens as you level up the Witch Doctor, uh, and as he develops his frog power, is it mixes up the effect it has along with how the frogs look. And it's this great sort of feedback mechanism where as the frogs do different things, you get different visuals. For instance, the frogs can turn poisonous, and that just means they're doing damage over time. And I believe they turn a sort of a sickly yellow-green color at that point, and that's a great feedback mechanism. The frogs can, I think they explode. Uh, you know, which is an area effect damage even more. Uh, at one point, the frog becomes the equivalent of, it, it's what you call mezzing, where you basically take another character and you lock it, an enemy, and you lock it down where it can't fight. And the way the frogs represent that is you get one giant frog that eats someone, and he stands there and his, you know, his big fat belly bloats out, or his cheeks, because he ate the monster, and he's sitting there holding the monster frozen. So what you've got here are very common MMO combat mechanics, you know, damage over time, area effect, mezzing, and they use these frogs to express that in different ways. Now, you have the same thing in Secret World, but I feel they're very, it, it's very dry and, and as I said, wonky. You know, they, they give it names. I even had to write some of these down. Like, the mechanics are just kind of dispassionately referred to as hindering, impairing, weakening, and afflicting. 
Now, I don't know about you guys, but those all sound like synonyms to me. Like, I don't know which one of those is damage over time. I don't know which one of those is poisoning. I don't know which one of those is rooting. You know, I know the names of those mechanics, and I've been playing a game, Diablo, where there's great visual feedback for which of these things is happening and what the effect is. And I feel like Secret World is doing a terrible job expressing this, both in terms of the gameplay mechanics when you're developing your skills, and also in terms of the visuals. You know, there's just so many ways you can swing a sword or shoot a gun and have a different colored flash. Uh, And so I feel as a a game about putting together these really technical skill sets, um, it's ultimately a little hardcore and I don't know that that's going to hold me. So does that make sense? Does, that, does either of you share those reservations, or do you feel that do you, do you want to defend the skills there? Well, I mean, not having seen enough of them, I don't feel really qualified to, in a way. Uh, like, but I will say, yeah, I mean, all the shotgun skills just have it have me firing. I mean, nothing really all that special happens. Maybe a burst of flame or some sort of cone that I see that'll show me like where it's hitting. But uh, yeah, no, it, it certainly it doesn't have a lot of visual flair in the combat. Um, the visual flair, I think, was mostly saved for the the atmosphere. Well, and to be fair, McMaster, I think it does kind of have visual flair. I mean, I think it looks good, but I don't think there's much informative feedback like the frogs with Diablo, for example. Like, I don't think, or the, or the different colors of a wizard's attack as the effect of the attack changes. Like, I, I think it, it looks good, but it's not that informative, and it's not helping me feel like, hey, I really want to get a new skill, or hey, I... I go ahead, Chris. Oh, it, it doesn't do a good job of telling you whether a target has gone into one of those uh, hindered states, and not really, it, and uh, it does, and it doesn't really do that good a job of telling you as a player when a mob has put you into one of those hindered states either. Um, you know, they're really tiny icons, and if you're looking at them. Uh, you can see it, but most of the time in combat, you're looking at other things on screen. Um, and yeah, it's and the way that they're named is definitely a problem. I was thinking the exact same thing. All of these states that you can be put in as a character in combat, or that you can put your targets in in combat, they're all synonyms for each other. You know, yeah. it's like we. What does that mean? Does that mean that they can't run or they mezzed? Um, you know, is that a damage over time? You know, what what am I looking at here? Help me out, game. And the thing is, you uh, all of this stuff is spelled out if you turn on the detailed tooltips, but it's not. It, it's still kind of hard to relate the different skills to each other. And I think this is more of an interface issue. Uh, for instance, if I'm wanting to make a build, and and I think once you start trying to make decisions about what skills to get at the outer ring, the upper level skills, you, you cannot avoid this. Because you are having to now choose among five different lines for each of your two skills. So you've basically got ten paths to decide which one am I going to go down. And because you are much more slowly progressing, your choices are that much more important. So what I've been doing is sitting down, trying to look at, okay, wait, I need to develop a line that's going to afflict something and then cash in on the afflicting process. So I'm sitting there trying to look at this stuff, and it's really hard to go back and forth between the different trees and to try to remember them. And there's no, I feel the interface really doesn't live up to the the way they want the combat to work and the way they want you to develop your characters. And what's more, 
here again where I think, good Lord, fix your freaking game before you release it. There's a bug where it will toggle off whether or not you have advanced tooltips for different skills. So the advanced tooltips do like Guild Wars where it gives you the specific numbers based on your stats for a given skill. Like if I look at my basic blood magic attack, it'll say I do one attack that does 86 points of damage. And that's based on the weapon I have equipped and I presume my other stats. Very helpful to know. So I'm sitting there looking at these things and I, I see, you know, okay, I'm doing 86 points of damage and it creates an affliction state. And then I look at another skill that says, okay, this does uh, additional damage over time if your target is impaired. And then I have to think, wait a minute, am I inflicting or impairing with my blood magic attack? Let me go back and look. And then I go back and look, and the advanced tooltip has vanished. And it said, none of that information is there. Uh, now, they said in the last patch that they fixed it. It's not fixed. If you want to build your character, uh, which is what you want to do if you're invested in this game, Currently, uh, the, the interface is broken, and the, the interface is screwy, and the actual information presented is broken. Uh, and that drives me crazy, because I really want to try to learn and cash and invest in this skill system, but the game's not letting me for various reasons. Uh, and I also, so Chris, you mentioned you know the little tiny icons. Um, I can get used to some of that stuff, but I feel like this screen is really poorly laid out uh, in that, on the lower left, those are the icons for what's affecting me. On the lower right are the icons for what's affecting monsters. When I mouse over one of my abilities, the tooltip covers the icon of the stuff affecting the monsters. It gets in the way. Uh, some of the skills, you build up your, your what's called your weapon resource in the lower left of the screen. Some of the skills build up the weapon resource on uh, the monster's health bar out in the world. Um, I feel like the, the information is not presented in a, in a very focused way. It, it just seems sort of scattershot. Like, where am I supposed to look? Where am I going to get this information? Is right. this tooltip in the way? And and so that's really making the combat hard for me, for me to get into. Um, now, um, I'll play devil's advocate uh -huh. on that. Um, the one thing that I will say, uh, if you're looking for, I guess, some kind of visual reward feedback maybe not for the consequences of your skills, but for having earned them, is the various uh, equipment upgrades you get for choosing, they call them decks in the game, you know, certain builds that you're putting together. Whoa, wait and, a minute, what? <laughs> yeah. You get equipment upgrades for, for using deck? Those, I thought those deck patterns were just like suggestions. No, if you use the deck patterns... Oh, Chris, uh, now that's... I don't want to know this, because now I'm going to be chasing those patterns. Tell me what you get. What What is this? I didn't know about this. Um, it... You know, you have to... You have to kind of snoop around on the Secret World Wiki, but it'll have some of the deck archetypes on there. They're and, in the game. No, they're definitely in the game. Yeah, when you, and, when you, and it, it's in the game, and... I don't know where. And you get... You know, snazzy clothes to wear. You get snazzy weapons to use. Oh, Chris, you shouldn't have told me this. Oh, my God. 
Okay, so, so McMaster, McMaster, I've talked to you about this briefly before, but I know you didn't. Uh, like, it's not something that it's a it's a long term prospect. But when you open up your skill wheel, there's a little panel on the left side where you look at the specific details for the skill tree that you have selected. You can mm -hmm. further slide that panel out to show you a list of uh, Chris. You're calling them decks, but they, they're kind right. of like templates. And if right, you select right. one of the templates, it'll show you two skills. And furthermore, it'll light up a little colored bug next to the skills on the skill tree to help you plan what skills you're getting next. So what I didn't know, I thought these were just suggestions for different synergies, which it really needs. And I was I, this is one reason I was like, ah, forget the assault rifle. I'm going for uh blood magic is because I saw, okay, well, there's a template for this. Obviously, the game designers know something I don't. They're suggesting this is a helpful skill synergy. So I've been chasing one of these, and what I didn't realize is that there was going to be some reward for that. So, Chris, now I'm, like, all the more determined to, to fill out this template. <laughs> well, uh, so that, that's my first devil's advocate thing. The second thing that I would say... Um, I well, totally real quick, so in responding to that, oh, Chris, because I've just come oh, around, I want to the second thing, but then that almost makes me think, okay, so you've got this wide-open skill thing, and you can play it however you want. Um, it's kind of like Diablo, where you put the skill slots on unrestricted mode. I forget what they call that, but where you can slide up any one of the skills. Yeah, enhanced, uh, enhanced mode in Diablo, I think. Is... Yes. So basically an option you can toggle, and then it just lets you, it removes all templates. You can set up your character however you want. You can break it. So that's the default state for Secret World. Take any skills you want. They don't have to work well together. You can basically gimp yourself. Right. Uh, it sounds like these templates, uh, it, now that you mention this, Chris, I'm thinking, well, I don't have to play it that way. I don't have to fuss over these skills. I can just mm -hmm. check that template and use that to guide my upgrades and basically be playing a canned class, which yep. is not a bad thing. And I don't say that right. as, a, as, as a detraction because that's the default state for Diablo. That's how Diablo starts. And if you didn't know about this enhanced mode, you might just think Diablo, you know, obviously is going to make you use the skills in a certain way. So it seems like Secret World starts off completely wide open. But if you follow the skill template, you can basically let them explain this stuff for you. Uh, right. So as, as Devil's Advocate, Chris, you've, you've done a heck of a job. Uh, okay. Well, right, so that's what's the second thing you wanted to bring up that I interrupted you for? Oh no, the second thing I would bring up, and you know, maybe you're gonna. I, I think the reply to this is, well, yeah, but that's a, you know, a seven-year-old game. Is that, yes, a lot of the skills are very numbers-oriented, and the numbers themselves are kind of. I don't know, I guess I'll call them arcane, like, okay, what is that actually <laughs> going to do for me in combat? But to me, that really reminds me of Guild Wars um, in a lot of ways, only I think Guild Wars it was a little more elegant the way the skills interplayed with each other. Right. But still, I, I do get a little bit of that feeling well, from the skill builds oh, absolutely. in uh, Secret World. And, and to be fair, I, I don't intend that as a criticism. I want to learn this stuff. I want to get into right. this. Uh, but I feel it's kind of hardcore, and a lot of people who oh, yeah. uh, who are into World of Warcraft or who are into something flashier, uh, it, it also reminds me a bit, there's a really hardcore, weirdly German, numbers-oriented action RPG called Sacred, where you yep. did these crazy, <laughs> intricate just math-crunching character builds, and I loved that. So I don't intend this as a, as a complaint so much as I intend this as a complaint about the game isn't supporting the way they want you to play it very well. 
uh, is that I feel they could do a better job presenting the information. I certainly it is very European at its heart. You can yes. tell that this is a Norwegian yeah, really developed is, yeah. game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, for all the for all the good and bad, and it I, I think there's a little bit of both there. Didn't uh, didn't this game start off kind of as a uh, MMO about the longest journey or whatever those adventure games? You know what I can uh, see that. I actually I honestly think Fist is yeah uh, the, the writer the, yeah. the writer for the longest journey so and he's the Secret puzzle World guy God. for Secret World so yeah. yeah. Well, and that's part of, too, why I cannot wait to get off Solomon Island is, you know, you start off in one of the three cities in the U.S. Uh, again, I love how relatable that is. And then you go to Solomon Island through this crazy, uh, like, magical tree subway. Which I love so, that. And that, that bit is so Ragnar Tornquist. I mean, you get in <laughs> yes. there and you are like... <laughs> Oh, this is awesome. I am in a completely new kind of magical steampunky place. It's just like Longest Journey. And then 40 freaking hours in, you know, a Stephen King novel, in playing an Alan Wake world. So I cannot wait to get to the next area. <laughs> uh, I wished it was a little more, it had a little more of Ragnar Turnquist's oh. sort of like uh, like time hopping and, and varied location sensibility. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, go ahead, McMaster. I think that, like, realistically, though, the starting in Kingsmouth gives you just such a great, great atmosphere. Like, yes. whatever they did yeah. with that, with that area, it's, I, it's, I have, I don't know if I've seen its equal, especially well, let's, not let's, an MMO. Let, let's talk about some of the world building. So, McMaster, okay. it, what makes this? Uh, yeah, so tell, tell me, Master, you, you spend those first 30 hours in Solomon Island. What do they do to keep those 30 hours from being tedious or boring or repetitive or just a real slog? Yeah. Like, how do they make your 30 hours in Solomon Island worthwhile? They move you around the map a lot, and it's not a terrible map to move around for the yeah. most part. Yeah. Like, that's one thing that uh, I really like about the game is the roads, uh, other than, like, one or two places, are pretty clear. Uh, it's easy to move through. There's not like a lot of stuff. And one of the things that really, really sells it for me is that once you've explored just the regular town area, you end up going to the Savage Coast. It's like everywhere you look, there's some cool little like set piece. Or there's like, very cool dense, part of very the world. dense. Yeah, yeah. And and it, you know, some of them are easy to miss. Some of them are easy to run by. And uh, some of them aren't. And it just kind of gives you something to, to play with. You know, like I also. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but graphically, they just kind of achieved this amazing lighting and feel for the whole place, too. Like, if yeah. like walk, walking I, through I the woods, walking through the woods and looking up, and it's like all the, you know, fall trees with their uh, reds and the golds and browns and, uh, and the lights filtering through it. And it just has this real mystical, almost otherworldly feel, but it just – it feels – it feels uh, just really, uh, really intensely real to an extent in some places. And it, again, yeah. an example of what they can do with the setting. You know, we don't have settings like this in MMOs, uh, and they do a great job of executing on it. Yeah. yeah. One of the things uh, that somebody said that I totally agree with as well. Uh, guy who posts on our forums is R.R. Morton. Uh, he's a friend of mine named Rob Morton, and. What he said, and it totally, I was like, yes, that's exactly it, was when you get to Kingsmouth and you open that map for the first time. Oh, yes. 
he was like, you know, it took him back to being 11 years old and Twilight Zone magazine and, you know, <laughs> just all all that cool stuff, you know, that, that feeling that we all had when we saw Goonies for the first time, you know. Yeah, sure. It's, yeah. like, it's like, oh, yeah, there it is. And that's what really made the atmosphere click for me in the game. Well, you know, you guys mentioned, uh, like, New England, and we've talked about Alan Wake. Uh, you know, there's the love Which is in the Pacific Northwest, so just so we don't have, we're going to drive right, that, fanboys crazy. You know, it's Al- more of a Twin Peaks rip off than, uh, you know, <laughs> that one. Uh, but but, but it still feels the same. Right, it's right. Still exactly. fall and rainy and. And that, that yeah, yeah. A great uh, geography wonk point though, Chris Hornbostel. I will give you that. <laughs> uh, but the, the point of reference for me that I love seeing. Uh, and certainly I feel this way being like at, at the Innsmouth Academy. Uh, these guys love their Silent Hill. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which, again, you know, I, I when I opened the map, that's what I thought of. Uh, you know, I and it's not a typical MMO map. You know, it reminds me of, like, the, no. the way the maps are done in Lord of the Rings Online, is they're not just giving you a functional map. They're making it look cool. Uh, right. And I love they that about the map. Explore in map. fact, uh, you know, go to places. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I want to go see what that is. There's a drawing of a factory. I want to see what that looks like in person. You know, I, I love that. Yeah. What it reminded me of the most, which I thought was fun, was, you know, when I was a kid, getting these, like, local city maps that have, like, all the cartoony businesses drawn on them and stuff like that. <laughs> right. like, right. Chamber of yeah, Commerce exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. And uh, that, that, really, uh, that really struck me, like, immediately that this is, like, you know, this is that's that's really cool. And then, like, when Tom and I were going through the dungeon, uh, I took a few screenshots of that map, in fact, just because I liked it so much. But it, it was more like a Call of Duty style map, where it has like all of these like uh, it's like an overland uh, satellite shot with like points and stuff on it of like the shipwreck and stuff we were exploring. And and, that, uh, and that's because you're not you know, it's not a map you got from the Chamber oh, of Commerce. No. <laughs> it's a map you got from the, the government the secret government uh paramilitary I, organization. Yeah. So they, they do a really good job with the flavor, certainly. Yeah. Uh hey, if you look at the map in London, it's different. It's a really cool looking like old style, yeah. like British yeah. hand drawn looking map. Yeah, you know, or not hand drawn, but you know, uh, actually yeah probably and the Brooklyn map but. looks nothing like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, New York is probably my least favorite area of the game so far. I don't. Now, have you seen the? Uh, somebody put up photographs of the locations in actual real life Brooklyn that were used, modeled for the game, and it's pretty amazing how accurately they modeled. You know, I saw that, Chris, and, and while I, I sort of think that that's a cool visual thing, I, I feel like a, a game designer doesn't need to be slavish to actual places. Like, you can just be evocative of a place. Uh, but that was definitely cool to see. They obviously built an actual real-world neighborhood and then, of course, hemmed it in. You can't go anywhere or interact with anything. Right, right. Uh, right. But, but it, it is great to see that. Yeah. You know, it's just like, but if you compare it to the level of detail in, what, Hong Kong and London, uh, or like in just all the little touches, there's just something about it that it doesn't stand up for me. Uh, I don't know why. Well, there's nothing There's nothing there at this point. I mean, you know, in, in World yeah. of Warcraft, everybody has to go to Agrimar and do stuff, and so that makes That's... sense to make Agrimar a cool place. London, for me, is just every time, and I've only had to do it a couple of times, but Every time I have to go back to London, it's like, oh, God, no, I want to keep playing the game. And now I have to go back and deal with the frame rate in London, and there's nothing to interact with there. And, you know, 
I, I don't know if you guys shop for clothes much, but it's a nightmare shopping for a new outfit in London, I just want to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, sure, uh, and I think we've all had that problem, yes. the nightmare of shopping for clothes in London. We can all relate to that in the real world. Exactly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely yeah. Um, uh, now, now let me bring up something, though, about the uh, – here's where I think – Here in, we go. <laughs> wait a minute. No, I, you got me wrong, Chris, because here's where I think – this game might hook me in the long run, in the long term. Here's where I think, you know what? Despite my reservations, despite what I think are some really fumbled launch problems they're having, I can see sticking with this game in the long term for the simple reason that I feel like it's built more like an open world game than a traditional MMO that is shunting you from area to area to area as you as you level along. And one of the ways they do this, you know, with the atmosphere and the world building that we've talked about, but one of the things they do that drove me bonkers at first, and I was like, I hate this. I'm not going to play this game. I'm going to I'm going to make notes to write mean things about this when I review this. One of the things I initially hated was the fact that you could basically only do one quest at a time. You know, you get to a quest yeah. And in an MMO, you get to a hub where there's quests, and you click on all the exclamation points, click, 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 and then you get, like, six quests in your journal, and if the game is designed correctly, and I'm using that in quotes, then you knock out all six of those quests in the same area. You know, right. you're going to deliver... In a circuit. In a circuit. You're going right. to deliver the, the scouting report, efficiency. and then along the way to delivering the scouting report, you kill the six boars, and you collect the six, you know, dropped supply canisters, and then you've got those quests done and you moved and it's given you a breadcrumb to move to the next area secret world will not do that for you you get to a hub there are quest givers they have multiple quests you do one at a time and you do not get to there, there are little sub quests that they'll fold in but you do not get to say okay i have now exhausted this area and i have done all the quests here i can move on you instead experience the area as one given quest wants to have you experience it at a time. And then once you do that, you are still not done with the area. And even once you've done all the quests for that area, you're still not done because the game wants to let you do repeatable quests. And when I first saw that, I was like, well, that's chintzy. Why do I want to, like, grind repeat quests in an area you know, that, that just made no sense to me. But as I've been playing and as I've been realizing, Chris, you used the word grind earlier, uh, and that's often a dirty word when I feel it doesn't have to be. If I'm enjoying the combat, and for the most part I am, uh, if I'm enjoying the character progression, and for the most part I am, I don't mind just running around in those woods under that cool treehouse and killing those bug monsters. I don't mind going back to Kingsmith and just whacking a bunch of zombies mindlessly for a while. Uh, so... It's not a grind, I feel, if it's something that you are really enjoying doing or if it's something that you would otherwise do. So the fact that the repeatable quests are in here to let me just sort of experience the same areas or as been the case with McMaster, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly higher level than you, McMaster. I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, but McMaster How could I, I have missed it? <laughs> I, I, I do make a point of mentioning it off to make sure you don't forget. Every five minutes at yeah. least. Uh, but the point is, I can go back and play earlier levels with McMaster, and I can do quests. You know, we can do quests I've already done, and that's okay. You know, I, I kind of like the repeatability of the quests because I like how the world is organized more like an open-world action game than a traditional MMO, where it's just moving you through the content and then showing you the next area. So I feel in the long term, that might really keep me around. Well, Tom, uh, let me let me throw this out there. Uh-huh. Uh you know, for years during its tortured development, we heard that 
Alan Wake was maybe going to be an open world game, and then obviously what we got was ah. not an open world game. That's kind of what this feels like. Yes. If you know, if and so let's throw that out for podcast listeners. If you're disappointed that Alan Wake was not an open world game, unconditional recommendation for the Secret World because that's what you get, kind of in a lot of ways in this game, right yeah. down to the graphics yeah. and the atmosphere. Yeah. Well, if you were disappointed that Alan Wake's a dumb game, there's not much we can do. <laughs> right, right. Now, uh, one, go ahead, Chris. Oh, one of the things that kind of is, I have two overall drawbacks to the game okay. that kind of, and there's nothing that can be done about one of them that I know of, is that... The secret world kind of sells itself, and you guys can tell me if I've overstated this, but it kind of, the marketing that I saw for it was, think X-Files, think MMO, think X-Files, MMO. Am I in the ballpark on kind of throwing out the X-Files as a touchstone for this? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Uh, I've never seen any advertising for it. Uh, just like on websites and stuff like yeah, that. They're not really supporting it very well with the ads. Yeah, that's true. Um, so what I would say this game doesn't do is you are not going to – don't come into this game thinking you are going to be an outsider investigating <laughs> these weird mysteries. You're actually an insider investigating yeah. weird mysteries. You're not Fox Mulder. You're the cigarette-smoking guy. Oh, I wasn't even thinking of that angle. Yes, you're right, Chris. Yes, you know no, you are you are certainly on the inside. You 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 are a catalyst and agent of the secret world instead of somebody who is, uh, you know, trying to investigate and uncover for the greater good. I guess if that makes sense. Now, Chris, right. what, what uh, I mean, go ahead, McMaster. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, it, it, it's more like, yeah, a lot of the stuff that, that you can see it uh, phase that way, of course, then you're going to think, well, yeah, I'm trying to actually fight against the secret world, but no, you're one faction of the secret world and you're fighting right. against God knows what. Right. So, so, Chris, that leads me to believe you've actually been watching the cutscenes and maybe reading some of the lore. Am I right? Uh, yeah, actually. And I guess that's the other thing. I was actually listening to... A are listening to a video review of the game, like a, just a preliminary impressions, and one of the guys was very enthusiastic about it, and this was at a major gaming website, was very enthusiastic about it, but he said, you know what, I'm not really interested in the story. And I'm thinking, I don't know how you can be enthusiastic about this game if you're not interested in the story beats. Because so I, I'm, I'm cold, put me down for that. Go ahead. Why? Really? Yeah, well, like, why, yeah, yeah, but I want to hear, like, why do you feel that that's not... That I'm missing out. (laughs) (laughs) It just seems like this game, more than World of Warcraft, maybe as much as Lord of the Rings is dependent on story for kind of getting its hooks into me. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm the the thing I like about it, and you kind of referred back to this earlier is that you're when you pick up quests also you're usually not confronted by a wall of text right you yes. are, it's you you have to you know it's a cutscene and yeah you can escape out of it yes you but can <laughs> i i found the voice acting to be 
so good that I tend not to, at least on the first playthrough. Yes. On the first so, time seeing them, so, so yeah, I, it I was surprisingly like, good. Yeah, voice actor. Sorry. Yeah, I do like yeah. the voice acting, but what part of what is making it difficult for me is the really awkward puppet theater. I hate that your protagonist just stands there mutely. Like I, I have so little oh, yeah. patience for that these days. So I'm seeing good bits of writing in some of the places, but I. I, I'm just not invested enough in it. Now, Now, what might change that is I have been poking around at some of the lore. You know, have you guys found the Black House by any chance? No. Okay. No. Uh, yeah, okay. Sorry. Well, they, I mean, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a location you find. I don't I don't think any – I think there might be a quest there, but I didn't find it. But I found a location. I picked up the lore in it, and I was just, for whatever reason, clicking through some of the lore stuff. And I was like, oh, they're doing they're, – this lore has some good bits of writing in it. Yeah. So I started poking around there, and, and that got me interested. So in an elliptical way, Chris, I might come around on that. But right now I'm just looking at it as a cool combat-oriented MMO with the option for me to do these little adventure game puzzle quests if I want in an atmospheric location that's evocative of Stephen King, Alan Wake, Lovecraft – uh, so I don't much care when you mentioned that you're an insider. That aspect really hadn't occurred to me because I haven't been paying that much attention to the narrative as it's being as it's unfolding. Uh, but I can see eventually coming around to that from the angle that here's a here's a world where I'm enjoying playing a cool combat based MMO. Uh, well, you know, as as an example of that, I think it makes there's you know one point, and I'm sure you guys are already past this, where you are hiding in. Uh, a tunnel that happens to be the hideout of oh, somebody who's working with another faction. Right. And I'm sure Tom rolled his eyes and went, you know, hit the escape key and said, uh, let's get out of this. Here, no, here's a cutscene I unfortunately watched. Go ahead. If you're thinking of the one I'm thinking of, go ahead. <laughs> and what I thought was those crazy Illuminati, I got to get them. You know, it was like, oh, <laughs> of course it's those guys. Well, now maybe you know? are you are you talking about the the sexy chick and Bordeaux or whatever his name is? Beaumont, yeah, Beaumont. Yeah, Beaumont. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Part. And his his sexy blonde sidekick who's supposed to like sleep with men to lure the oh yeah, god, yeah. I just oh, oh. <laughs> oh Chris, please tell me I'm not. But, no, well that's the thing is even for for a clumsy thing like that, like there's some cute riffs on like Homeland Security later in the game, and I love the lighthouse stuff that I don't want to spoil for you guys. Um, so for every cutscene where I'm like, oh god, get me out of here. There have been a couple where I'm like, yeah, that's kind of cool, and I appreciate what they're going for. You yeah. know, uh, approaching the game as I did, which is uh, not having a, a whole lot of hope for it, not, you know, nothing personal to Funcom, but uh, not a big Age of Conan fan, um, and and having it kind of actually surprised me. Like, the first night uh, with, with the head start, Friday, uh, I made my character uh, walking around through London. And I go to the park in the middle, which Tom completely missed somehow. And uh, what park in the middle? Oh no! Right, right, right with the, the stage. Middle. Right with the stage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then on the other side, there's like a couple of people sitting there. They're Templars. Well, there's this girl. I can't remember her name. And then there's John Galahad. And the whole thing is like, if you listen to all their conversations and you read over everything, is that they're implying that that is Galahad from the Knights of the Round Table and stuff. And uh, there, there's all these like cool kind of like little nods 
here and there in the game and little things you can easily miss or you know if you search them out they're little little bits of story that may or may not go somewhere so i, I thought it was that that was pretty cool that london has that great setting going for it too well, and you know, yeah, like I to be fair, like I'm I'm so down so often on stories and for an MMO, I mean, I'm way more interested than I normally would be. You know, Guild Wars by the way, playing the Guild Wars beta, which I loved and gameplay mechanics wise, man, that is just I'm just on fire for that. Couldn't care less about any story stuff in Guild Wars. I'm right there with you on that. Yeah, yeah none of that matters to me. I, don't, I can't imagine them doing a single thing to stop me from from uh, skipping over those cutscenes. At least they're inklings of things in Secret World that have definitely gotten my attention. Uh, and and yeah, and to be fair, that's more than I can say for most MMOs. So uh, hat tip to Funcom for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and they also did something I think is pretty interesting, which uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this in the in the intro movies, uh, or not even maybe the intro movies, but early on, where they're saying, you know, you're we're not a humanitarian party. We're not interested in, you know, uh, coming Rescuing. to people's aids and stuff right. like that. We're here fighting a giant war. So uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, kind of a side for them. Uh, having that kind of thing going for it, where I'm sure you'll have to make your choices in the game, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I caught that. Which that's, one, that's specific to the Templars, by the way. Oh, is it? I couldn't remember. I did Illuminati as well. Yeah, I know they didn't really that, care, but that, that's, <laughs> the, the Illuminati is more along the lines of we're we're eventually going to get our share back. You know, we're we're kind of sharing power with these other two groups, but we'll eventually get it back. So let right. me ask you guys, gameplay-wise, what is the point of the three factions? Do we know? As far as, like, gameplay mechanics. Is there any reason they're not... I mean, there's flavor, certainly. But as far as gameplay mechanics, is there any reason they're not Team Red, Team Green, Team Blue? I think other than endgame PvP stuff, I honestly can't tell you. But yet. even then, yeah. in Chris, in, for in-game PvP stuff, again, is there any reason they're not just red, green, and blue? Like, is there anything the Illuminatis get that the dragons don't? Is there any is there no any idea. asymmetry at all? Okay. Maybe, or is maybe, it just a story? In the, maybe in the decks that you build. Oh. Uh, I, I, believe, I believe there's some differences there. Oh, Chris, if but you're I right. Could be wrong. No, if you're no, right. There are. Every faction has decks. Yeah. Nope, but are they are they different decks? Yeah, they're absolutely different. Yeah. No, wait, uh, don't tell me that, you guys. Don't freaking tell me yeah, that. Yeah, like, for instance, <laughs> I'm considering switching to the Puritan, which is a Templar that uses shotguns and hammers. And the Illuminati and the dragons don't get Puritans? No. See, oh. for instance, the Illuminati has, like, you know, the gunslinger, the goon, the grifter, and the dragons will have, like, martial artists and ninja and warlord. And... Oh, that's nicely done. All right, you guys sold me. You guys sold me. <laughs> First, Chris put the hook in with that deck thing, and then, McMaster, you, you actually made a catch, and you've got me totally uh, on the line with the faction differences. Nice. So that would be the point of having only three character slots. Uh, you know, one for each faction. Right. Oh, that's a nice, nicely done. All right. That's serious in-game stuff, though, but uh, okay. Are you, the, are you playing a preacher? Is that the deck you're using, Tom? You know what? All I did, McMaster, was I went through, and I, I had a sword, and I had an assault rifle, and I was like, I need to find a synergy to work towards, because with the tooltips broken, I can't puzzle out how these skills right. relate. So I went through and I looked for something that had a sword and an assault rifle. There was nothing on our faction, which is the Templars, that has right. those two things. So I just randomly picked, okay, well, I'll take sword and this star icon, which was blood magic. Right. 
And so I just enabled that and was using that as a guide for which skills to get. So oh, okay. I'm wondering if maybe in the other factions there is a sword assault rifle combo. I, I don't know, but I love the fact that you, you brought that there, up. There is, there is a sword assault rifle combo in the Templars, actually. That what? Makes you, yeah. It's, no, uh, there gladi- is. Yeah, gladiator. No, I looked. There's sword and assault rifle? Oh, no, yeah. that's that's assault rifle and chaos. Thank you, thank you. Because I was okay. gonna, I was going to have to smack. I was going to have to seriously facepalm right. if I just if I just missed it. Because uh, I looked, that's I was right. like, they can't. How can they not acknowledge someone wanting a sword and assault rifle? What's going on? <laughs> uh, well, okay. So let let's talk briefly about uh, before we talk about PvP. Um, the gear in this. So one of the pillars of any MMO is the gear chase. Here they've got they've got an interesting approach. You know, there's a lot of costumes, and I don't feel we need to say too much about the cosmetic options. They're obviously using some of those for microtransactions. I yep, chafe so at that. I don't like that. I agree. Okay. I agree. I agree. So, so we're all on board there. It's not yep. much yep. point getting into that. But how about the gear chase in general? How, how do you guys, How are you guys finding that? And what sort of long-term prospects does that seem? Um, and real quick, let's go to McMaster. What has been your personal experience with uh, the gear chase? And, and I say this knowing as a guy who's been playing with you. <laughs> So, what happened with me was I started playing a little bit after Tom and my friend Chase. I've been playing with both of them. So, I was trying, I've played catch up a lot. And I, initially, I skipped a bunch of the side quests because I wasn't thinking. I went way too far in the, in the basic quest with Tom. Now, to your and credit, t- McMaster, the game, again, and it's part of how the game world is laid out and how the quests work, the game's going to let you do that. If you want oh, to yeah. eat up with me, if I want to bring my, my little friend Jason McMaster forward, who's only played for a little bit, and if I want to have him join me on the Savage Coast, the game will let me do that. Right. So, See, yeah, Tom wants to say that, but Tom, Tom also played pre-PVP patch. Uh, all I've got to say, oh, my God. Hey, you played more than me, don't get me wrong. But Mr. Pre-PVP Patch, I don't even want to hear about it. All right, we'll get into that in a moment, but go ahead. So so here, here's here's my little buddy, Jason and <sighs> Master, with his little shotgun, and we're doing quests. So what, what do we learn about shotguns in that, about gear? Tom, in- do you pat him on the head? I do, yes, routinely, when okay. he does well. Okay. And I'll give him a cookie when he kills a monster. <laughs> No, we, we were doing fine, like in the regular world stuff. We were right. doing just fine. Now, when you say we were doing fine, I was killing the monsters, and you were doing a little damage as well. Right. Oh, you should. <laughs> swear to God. Anyway, so we were running around, and uh, yeah, I was muling and hiding under Tom's skirt. And um, then we, we reach a part, and this is something that I'm a little baffled by, but the secret world feels it's necessary to throw you in solo instances all the time, whether or not you're in a party, yep. which yeah. kind of doesn't make any sense to me, why you shouldn't be able to go in with your friend. So anyway, we get thrown into solo instances, and Tom and I are going through it, and I can get up to right near the end, and I keep getting killed every time. And then the game bugged out, and it like didn't spawn me back in the end. Oh, God, that's right. Right, so it repopulated the instance after I cleared almost all of it, and I was just like, "All right, I'm done." 
And the thing is, we are doing a quest, which, you know, the quests have what are called tiers, and they're the different stages yeah. where each one has a goal. And there, you have no way of knowing if somewhere along the way, one of these tiers is going to involve going into a solo instance. So McMaster wow. and I are doing a quest, and we get to the last tier, which involves us being shunted separately into our solo instances. Uh, so I get through it no time at all. You know, I actually died once, but pretty straightforward. I get through it, and I'm waiting at the far end for McMaster to get out. And he is just repeatedly getting killed because it turns out, you know, as we found out, you're using a crappy shotgun, right? Like, like you're, it seems like one of the problems is you're not geared up. It's like we talked about that tank in the dungeon that we did. You were having that situation where you were trying to do a solo instance that expected you to have better gear. Um, right. So what has been your so what have you been doing since then to rectify that, McMaster? Well, uh, I went back and did a bunch of quests, uh, a bunch of the earlier quests, and uh, then I jumped into PvP to. Uh, well, no, wait, real quick. So why were you why were you doing the earlier quests? Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. That you get um, for anybody that's listening to this has played World of Warcraft. It's very similar to the way their PvP works, and actually the dungeons nowadays. Whenever you complete a quest, you get a token or a couple of tokens, depending. Uh, and you can spend those tokens to purchase special equipment. Um, and we and, found at that bait and tackle shop these great quality yeah. level five weapons, and and we figured let's get you enough of those sequins, the Solomon Island sequins, to where you can right. get a quality level five shotgun, and and then you'll be good to go. So so it, it right. lets us grind. Uh, and again, right. I don't I don't mean that as a bad word. It lets us grind quests to get these this form of currency that lets you buy a really cool weapon. Uh, right. And uh, PvP would also do that, but I think it's a lot less viable. Yeah. That's just me. Uh, so then also, in addition to the weapons, there are you know what would normally be your armor slot and stuff like that in a fantasy or sci-fi game. You don't really have... We don't run around wearing armor in the modern world, so instead they're little tokens and talismans. Uh, right. Chris, how do, you, how do you feel about this inventory system, aside from the weapons? Um... Well, honestly, I think the talismans, if you think about them as being analogous to armor, um, I think it's interesting. I think it, for me, it actually kind of works. Um, instead of telling you that, you know, instead of giving you a straight-up armor class, each talisman that you get, and I think there are, what, seven talisman slots, Maybe eight. I'm not sure. It's seven. It's a head. There's three on the next right. line and three on the line below. I'm sort of visualizing it. So, yeah, you got right. seven inventory slots. So if you think of them as seven armor slots, but none of them actually necessarily give you straight up, like, an armor class or anything like that or an armor rating, but some talismans will give you, uh, you know, more health points. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them will give you more, uh, you know, uh, boost into hit or uh, crit, the crits that you do, or even more on the healing that you're able right. to do and receive. And so it's kind of, I think there's going to be some legs there as far as mixing and matching talismans for the optimal builds for whatever role it is that you're trying to play in the game. In the game. And now they don't have level requirements per se, but they do 
in that you have skill requirements right well, and, and all all gear has the quality level that we're talking about yeah. we're trying to get McMaster the quality level five shotgun it's the same with the talismans and what they do and again this was something I hated at first and I made a note I'm gonna I'm gonna complain about this in the review and I've since realized what they're doing and I can sort of appreciate it when you level up as you're leveling up you're getting ability points and that uses that's those combat abilities we talked about but you also get skill points and you spend these on either a weapon, which is one of the inventory items, or a type of talisman. Either the head talisman, which is the top slot, the major talisman, which is the next line below that for, I think, your wrists and your neck, and then the minor talismans, which are rings and a belt, I believe. I, I might yep. have. Yeah. And so, a cult. Cult talisman, yeah. Right, right. So, so what happens is that when you get these skill points, and keep in mind they're separate from ability points, you have to decide which level of gear you are going to raise up because you cannot equip a level five shotgun until you've leveled up that shotgun requirement so you're having to spend points deciding am i enabling better weapons am i enabling better talismans all of that goes into the same pool and it basically is a level gate that you're kind of controlling, although I don't see any reason not to equally distribute all of the options, your two choices of weapons and then your three talisman options. Uh, So that is a de facto level gate for the equipment. And that is what people are using as shorthand when they're talking about parties and what what character strength they want. What quality quality left gear you use. Exactly, exactly. So with McMaster, we were doing a sequin chase. You know, we were literally doing missions to earn sequins. Uh, You... There's also, and I don't know if you guys have messed with this, I, I've started to scratch the surface and I think I see what they're doing, but does either of you have any impressions yet on the crafting system? Um, I've messed around with it a little bit. Obviously, there's the introductory mission that they have you do right? Uh, with that, and then I actually got tired of looking for a better assault rifle and made my own. Yep. Um, I... I think it has some function and some use because, at least in Kingsmith, I couldn't find a vendor that had a better assault rifle that I could afford than I was able to make a nice uh, quality level three assault rifle that'll get me through that introductory area real nicely now. Mm-hmm. Now, this crafting, we might actually call it something else. It's really Minecrafting, based on the, <laughs> the layout. Uh, McMaster, yep. I think, is the guy here who's played the most Minecraft. Uh, how do you feel about... Explain how they do the crafting and how you feel about it. Uh, well, you have a grid, and then you lay out uh, your materials in a certain pattern, and that then you use a toolkit to tell that pattern exactly what kind of item it's supposed to be. You assemble it, and it makes something. Um I think that's probably. It's, I mean, it's an all right system. It's as good as any other. Yeah. I've, I've had to Google a fair amount for oh, yeah. the, the patterns. Oh I, yeah. Again, Me too. Uh, I'm like, why the freak is this not in the game? You guys have this system. You, you know, this isn't Minecraft where I've got at least in the Xbox Minecraft, they finally put that stuff in the game. You can look at the patterns in Minecraft on the Xbox, and that's the way it should be, I think, unless you want it to be some well, weird, crazy experimental thing. Why aren't those patterns in Secret World, well, Dadgummit? But let me tell you what's even more frustrating is that when you do that introductory quest that teaches you how to do use the crafting system, right? They have you look at yep. the guy's book on the table, right. and it has all the patterns on there. But then that's the only time you get to look at that book. You don't, 
you, they never let give you access in game to the. Oh book wait a minute! Game. You know what, Chris? You know what? Or do they? Oh, well, I just now don't you know just. How. I, I don't. I think I agree with you. Like I, I think you were right, but it's just now occurring to me because I had that same complaint. I wonder if you can go into your quest journal under finished quests. Yeah. Because uh, when you do a quest, uh, okay. it saves an image of anything you have to look at. So maybe yeah. they're just. Oh. So that's, I, that. See now, if somebody had told me that, I would be such a dummy on this podcast. <laughs> well, I'm guess, I could be wrong, but I'm guessing. <laughs> no, I think you might be right. But but then even still, for Pete's sake, don't bury that so deep in there. Right. You know, make it part of the help. Make it you know when the question mark comes up on that assembly screen, because by golly, that's where I'm going to click if I want to know about these patterns. All it brings up is this crappy little four entry. Uh, little fact wiki kind of thing they put together that by the way doesn't even have a back button you know if you if you want to look in their little help yeah. file uh, god it's so freaking annoying just it drives me crazy <laughs> but uh so so maybe that is still in there it's just now occurring to me but what what i do like is it's encouraging you when you get equipment that you can't use and i kind of like by the way the rarity of the equipment drops um, yeah, they're very yeah. rare. They're very, they're very rare, rare, so that rare. when you find something good, it's awesome. If you don't find something good, you break it down into its components. Uh, and I don't know how how OCD you guys are with your uh, inventory, but I've got separate bags for consumables and bags for, <laughs> for runes and bags for materials. And I've yep. got everything arranged by tiers. The fire goes here. The dust goes here. The water goes here in order from imperfect to base to normal to sacred. You know, I've got all this stuff meticulously arranged. Uh, they give you lots of inventory space at first. Um, so f- for the most part, I really like how the gear works, how it it built how it, it you know folds in the minecrafting. Uh, there are some issues with the patterns, and by golly, there's got to be a better way to drop items into the assembly screen than shift to break things into different oh piles. Oh my gosh, like, yes. Is that am I missing something, or is it really no. that obvious? No, that it's is, that is year one Dark Age of Camelot <laughs> kind of. Oh my gosh. You know, how is this still an active part of any modern MMO? Yeah, yeah. That's awful. Not even Dark Age of Camelot. What was that, like, 1990s medieval uh, uh, single-player adventure game? Was it Dark Ages? What the heck was that called that Microprose published? Oh, uh, Darklands. Darklands, yeah, yeah. Not even Dark Age of Camelot. I would go back to Darklands. Like, that is some old-school, like, early <laughs> 90s school of UI there. That's, like, XCOM-level stuff. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't yep. know what they were thinking. Um, so in theory, I really do like the gear system and how, in a way, it doesn't uh, like. I don't feel like like I don't feel like it's given too much prominence over the skill system. Like I feel they've got a good balance between the skill and the gear uh, part of character development going. Um, yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. All right, so let, let's then talk uh, MMO because the word of uh, MMO PVP because the word that comes to mind for me when I look at the PVP in this the word that I think of is amateurish. Yeah, I'm not horribly fond of it. Yeah, so uh, they they uh, during the early weekend they had to dramatically rebalance <laughs> and by rebalance basically slash in half the experience point rewards for. Doing PvP, yeah, and I don't know how that's something that they don't realize earlier. Uh, you know, fortunately they got to that before launch, but you know, people were just parking in there and doing quick circles of the different. Uh, you know, there's basically three different quests you can do in PvP in this big uh, 
uh, like war zone mode. Uh, so people were just parking in there and just cycling through and leveling up that way. And, and while I appreciate that they want to let people level up doing PvP if they want, the return on the time spent was completely out of proportion for PvP yeah, versus right. open world stuff. Uh, so, however, even then, uh, I don't know about you guys, I have been unable to get into the two smaller battlegrounds. Yeah, <laughs> never been able to as well. Yeah, I've I've been, been yeah I've been in the queue for over an hour and it's not letting me into those. Uh, the big old war and what's the war mode or what's the larger mode called? So I think war zone or something like that. Fusang. Yeah, so yes, yeah, Fusang projects, but it's they have a mode. So anyway, there's only war zone or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So there's only three modes. There's a sort of a couple of deathmatchy things. Like I think one of them's King of the Hill and one of them's a capture a domination point. And then the war zone thing is a is a larger persistent map. Uh, that has, I think, three capture points on it, and if your faction controls the point, then everybody in PvE gets a global bonus, which, again, kind of a cool concept. Yeah. But the the only reward you get when you're there uh, is for getting kills in installments of 10, for capturing spawn points, and for capturing control points. Otherwise, if you're in there, you are wasting your time, you are getting no rewards whatsoever for healing, for tanking, uh, wow. For uh, for doing any sort of like crowd control stuff for stuns, none of that does a single blessed thing for your character progression, uh, and that is you know McMaster, you've been pushing me to play Battlefield Three lately, and I would love to, but that's a great example where they do awesome things to encourage all kinds of different roles. Right. If if you've played the Guild Wars beta, those guys they have done an excellent job with their realm versus realm, which is what they're trying to do with that Fusang Project's Warzone, uh, you know, in comparison, th- this just looks like, uh, just amateurish is the word that comes to mind. There's no good reason to be in there. They, there's no good reason to do anything in there, yeah. but just follow a big crowd and do as much damage as you can. <laughs> it's this crazy, like, 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 like you're just following a swarm. It's this crazy, yeah. lemming, like... It's like watching cr- six-year-olds play soccer. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Chris. I was trying to think of a good metaphor. Yeah, clumsy little kids just bumping into each other on the field, following each other. Yeah, it's insane. It it has this one thing like uh, that I've said to you, Tom, a couple of times that it reminds me of Planet Side. Now that's not supposed to be a burn on Planet Side, but it has this whole kind of effect where it shows you the map, and wherever there's combat, there's like a little explosion or whatever looking thing, uh, and so. Really, what people end up doing now is you can get this quest to take uh, an anima or a spawn point, and uh, it refreshes probably 20, 30 minutes. Uh, So you just get in, grab that, run to one of the unguarded ones that doesn't have any action near it, start that, and then basically if you can capture it, then there's going to be a big battle there possibly. And then, yeah, it's basically the only thing to do. And McMaster, if if you do that, the only advancement you're getting is the experience points for capturing the spawn point. If Correct. you manage to get ten kills, that's great too. But I've played, and I've heard conflicting things. It wasn't about, worth it, by the way. I did get ten last night. Yeah, and and I've heard conflicting things about how it credits the kills. Like I've heard that if, if there are kills near you, you get credit. But nope. I've I've tried exactly. My experience is that unless I get the last hit in. Or maybe it's that I'm not doing the most damage. I don't know what it's calculating. I think it's most damage. Okay, well, I'm definitely not doing that because I've managed to get literally, and I've been plugging away with my little blood mage chick, I've literally gotten one kill. 
Uh, and I, you know, I don't know how many hours I've been in there. Not, not many, but I, I should have way more than one kill. I'm trying to do my part, and the game isn't rewarding me. So I really, really think they've dropped the ball on the PvP. Yeah, yeah it's, it's they're it's, gonna need chill work. Bad. Yeah, I, it, the fact that you, yeah, you don't get like, uh, for instance, even comparing to something like Max Payne, you get like assist points. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's very good. You, know, you get assist. Uh, Max Payne yeah. is constantly rewarding you for different doing different things with experience, right. cash. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's not not just Max Payne and Battlefield Three and Guild Wars. I mean, this is this is game design one hundred and one these days, and it seems like Funcom skipped that class uh, when it came to <laughs> PvP. So. Yeah. I would agree. Uh, all right, finally, let's talk a little bit about just the technical issues of the launch. Uh, you know, we've mentioned some bug things, but other than that, uh, as far as stability, server queues, stuff like that, how have you guys found the – how smooth the launch has it been for you, Chris? I've had – well, I, I guess the first thing to say is I've had no problems at all getting into the game right when I've wanted to get yeah. into the game. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome, you know. Point points to them over Diablo 3 on that, although obviously there's a slight difference in the number of people playing those <laughs> games, too. Um, so that's, that, that's been great. Um, I've had two crashes to desktop, which over the yeah. amount of time I've played, anybody who plays MMOs, um, maybe other than a really old game like uh, World of Warcraft, you're going to you know, crashes to desktop or something that you are just kind of come with the territory after playing for like three or four hours in one sitting, you might get one. And I've had two, you know, over the course of maybe 20 hours of play. So that's not bad. Yep. Um, and then the only other thing I would say is the quest bugs that we talked about right at the start of the podcast that seem to be related to the different dimensions uh, having been added right before the launch of the game. Yep. Uh, McMaster, has that been your experience as well? You've, you seem to have a pretty smooth time with it. Yeah, I know. I haven't had uh, much issue at all. I mean, they've taken it down for a couple of like patches that were unfortunate to me, but other than that, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a pretty smooth experience. Maybe one or two crashes, but yeah. And a, a good job, by the way, of communicating, uh, you know, when the maintenance is coming up, how oh, long yeah. it's going to be for, and what's uh, being fixed. You know, I I, yeah. I have to applaud that how well they're doing yeah. there. Yeah, very the one good. One thing I will say, and. Uh, I'm kind of intrigued to see if we're going to see some new drivers. Uh, I've been running with everything turned up. I've got a brand new video card in my machine. I've got a brand uh, new video card in my machine. <laughs> I have the best video card on the podcast. And I've noticed some artifacting at the edge of the screen. Oh, uh, maybe that's there. your maybe your video card is too cutting edge, Chris. I, I think that's it. I think it's too good for the game, and I am. Eagerly hopeful that uh, we'll see a uh, beta pa- uh, beta driver from NVIDIA that kind of – it's nothing major. It's it's easy to ignore. It's something that you kind of see on the edge of your screen occasionally and draws your eyes for a second, and you're like, oh, it's just that thing. Okay, right. whatever. Never mind. Well, I think we're allowed to say, McMaster pointed out earlier before we recorded, that uh, their PR folks did point uh, press people to beta drivers specifically for the game for NVIDIA cards. Okay, cool. Yeah, there will be some coming out. If not now, then pretty soon. Excellent. Uh, Let's put on, very briefly before we go, our uh, pundit prognosticator hats. Uh, Chris, I mentioned elsewhere that I thought 
that I, I was a little worried that I didn't think this was going to have much appeal, and I was worried about its long-term prospects, um, how successful it would be, in that it's not fantasy, it's not sci-fi, uh, it plays a little weird, it doesn't use a lot of conventional MMO tropes that people look for. Uh, I'm a little worried that this is not going to be a big success, and your response is that you know maybe it doesn't have to be. So, Chris, how, what would you say are its long-term prospects? Well, let's... First of all, talk about that being developed uh, by a Norwegian developer. The development costs of this game, even for however long it was in development, which I think is, what, five or six years, uh, are going to be a fraction of what it costs to bring Star Wars The Old Republic to, to market. Right. Uh, I, I think we're probably talking maybe 40 to $50 million, which is, you know, for a Compare that to a $200 million game, there's a big difference there. So EA does not have a whole lot of chips in the pot on -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And I think if I were to call it based on what I've seen, I think this game is going to have not a large pool of players, but I think it's going to have a very deep pool of players. Maybe something like... like you would see with something like EVE Online, where, you know, I've tried to play EVE Online and realize immediately that, you know, my eyes glaze over and I'm like, I, I, this game, I'm not smart enough to play EVE Online. And I think there are going to be players who come to the secret world and feel the same way or just feel like, uh, you know what, these mechanics don't work for me or, you know what, the story things just don't work for me, the adventure game tropes don't work for me, mm-hmm. and they, they back out. But there are also going to be people that this is a game they've been waiting to play, and mm-hmm. I think it's going to run very deep uh, you know, with that group. So I think it's going to be a niche uh, I, I think it might be a fairly decent-sized niche, and I think it'll be a worldwide niche. And I think that, you know, that niche is going to be big enough, and, you know, they're going to have the retention. They're going to hold on to that group long enough that it's going to make this game as much of a success as EA and Funcom need it to be. Uh, do you think it's going to stick with it? Uh, can it survive with a subscription model? That's... I think that's probably the question, and the answer is I honestly don't know. Uh, is EVE Online still a subscription model, or yes. is that? Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. I, if EVE Online can make it happen, then I kind of think that this game can still make that happen, although I, what I could see it doing is kind of compromising uh, in the way that we're seeing Star Wars do, where maybe they offer... Uh, some section, or maybe even all of, in the future, a big portion of Kingsmith, as you can play up right. to this point in Kingsmith, and then we want your money. Right. So I could see that happening. Uh, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, Chris, and I totally think you've got, as far as the folks on this podcast, I trust your sort of business sense very, very well. I, I, you've got a solid head for that sort of stuff. But what concerns me is that the EVE Online comparison, which is apt, you know, CCP is a small, relatively small, nimble company. EA is a huge, bloated, fat (laughs) bureaucracy that has unreasonable demands and a long, long history of boogering up online games, and that includes orphaning online games 
that uh, that that really had no, that should have been put on life support. You know, I, I think of the way they they readily abandon their servers uh, for you know online multiplayer games, whether they're console games or RTSs, sports games or whatever. Uh, I think of the way they've boogered up like Sims Online. Uh, just EA and online are just that just sends up red flags for me. And I hope you're right because I, I definitely agree with uh, what you're saying. I love the idea of Tom, this. The smartest like, thing that I think EA could do would be to kind of say, we'll, we'll collect the checks and fun comp, you do what you need to do, because I think this game is going to bring in enough money that it'll be self-sufficient, and EA basically just needs to collect the money into their bank account and let Funcom give Funcom, I would, if I were them, I would give Funcom the freedom to do what they want to do right. with uh, well, you know, this game. And I guess and that's just kind the- of let it be autonomous and do its thing. And that's the difference between uh, how EA is handled. Like a lot of their other uh, online fumblings have been with internal properties, you know, internal studios, internal developments. And because Funcom has an interest in this. So, yeah, very good point. Uh, who published Age of Conan, by the way? Gosh. It wasn't EA, was it? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. All right. That might have even been self-published. But uh, uh, dumb question, by the way. Is Age of Conan still subscription? Is that even still around? No. It, it is, is around. It okay. is still around, and by the way, Age of Conan is Funcom and Eidos in a joint I, yes, publisher. Right. Yes, so right. it's free to play, yeah. Yeah. and it has gone free to play. All right, uh, McMaster, do you take any issue with anything that uh, Mr. Hornbossel has said here? I will say that honestly, my take on it, and uh, this might not be the friendliest to EA in the way it's set up, is that I think there's a reason that there's an inline uh, an online store. Yeah, in-game store. And I think that that reason is that they're going to milk subscription fees while the subscription fees are good, and then they're going to turn the game free to play and milk that for what it's worth. If I if I was a shareholder, that's probably what I would encourage. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's just what I imagine happening. To get free to play instead of dead. All right, so for folks listening who want to play Secret World and join us, uh, we are on the, uh, is it the Cerberus Shark? Cer- yeah, Cerberus, yeah. Yep. Sharks are, yeah, so we're on Cerberus. Uh, we all have Templar characters. We have a, uh, they're called Cabals, right? Yep, that's yeah. your guild. Yeah. Uh, and our Cabal slash guild is, uh, McMaster, you started this. We're just You just search for quarter to three, is that right? Yeah, yeah, uh, all spaces and everything. There's There's no, like one word or anything going on. And uh, if you want to friend us, I think to friend someone, you just have to know the character's, uh, the, the character's nickname. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. All right, yeah. so let's go around the table. Everybody now gets to spill their character's nick's nicknames. Uh-oh. You, you guys go first. All right, I, I am on as... Uh, I've said this before. Anytime I play an MMO, I don't really care that much about the name, and I hate playing MMOs with people who I, I know, like on the internet or in person or whatever, and I don't know that they are that character. So what I do is I always use the word chick in, that's my last name, in my character name. So I'm not attached to it. This is just to help other people with whom I'm playing. So uh-huh. if you want to uh-huh. find me, uh-huh. I am a, I am a, I'm a, a hot, comely little Sarah Palin lookalike uh. named, <laughs> named uh, Shadow Chick. Because you see, she's like shadowy Templar. I, I don't know. So, Shadow Chick on the Cerberus server. Uh, Chris, you go next. What do you got? How do we find you on Cerberus? Well, uh, my name that I post under at quarter to three is Trigger Cut. Yeah, but for some reason, that's not your character's name. Well, you're, you're missing actually, a vowel. 
yeah, I'm missing a vowel because trigger cut is actually my now abandoned and never to ever, ever, ever be played again dragon uh, character that I started up on Friday night. Uh, and that one got the vowel. So my character is trigger cut, but there is no E in trigger. So trigger cut. Yeah, trigger cut. Can I buy a vowel? Yes. <laughs> uh, McMaster, how do we find you? Ah, well, you just search for Rear Master. <laughs> Can I Google that, Jason? Will I, will I yeah, you, you just, please turn off safe search first, though. And then Google image. Use Google image as well. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> all right, so there we go. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, before we started recording, I was like, oh, I'm going to be all down on Secret World. I have so many reservations about yeah, it. But I find that... It's my time to play this game tonight, too, by well, the way. Well, that's the... Point I, out. And I, yeah, and I realize you don't have, you don't get to sit around all day like me and McMaster and professionally play video games. So appreciate that, Chris. But I find that as I talk about it, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing myself around to liking it more and more and listening to you guys talk about it. So even though I thought I was going to be the one who was all down on it, I, I'm, you know, I'm pretty cautiously optimistic about this. It sounds yeah. like we're all on the same page pretty much there. Yeah, it's, it's surprising. Cautiously optimistic is a good term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always good to have a little bit of caution involving any MMO. Yeah, especially an EA online game. Yes. yes, yes, yes. So, all right. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Listening, uh, feel free to join us on uh, Secret World. Uh, we were going to have Eric Flanham, who's one of the Guild Wars Guild Wars Two designers, the Guild Wars Two designer, uh, join us. But we didn't want to have him sit around and listen to us talk about Secret World. So he will be joining us next week. Uh, so come awesome. back for that. Yep. Uh, um. Also, of note, it doesn't really matter what server you're on in right. Secret any, World. You, you can, can be on any server. And, and you can friend across it. Yeah. 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 So. Which, uh, very nicely done, by the way. I'm really glad they did that. Should, should yeah. we mention the chat channel as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't really use that. But how does that... So first of all, speaking of things that need to be worked on, uh, the chat yeah. is... Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the chat is abysmal. But uh, because we have people from quarter to three who are playing as Templars, Illuminati, and Dragons, we've set up a chat channel. And what you do in the game is you backslash, or backslash chat, join QT3, and that'll take you to our chat channel and say hello so we know you're there. And, uh, yeah. Wait, does that mean we're talking to people on the other servers and all the other fa- Why didn't I know yes. about this? I, did, I didn't actually know that either. I've only posted about it about five times in the quarter to three thread. I should, take, so. I should take you off ignore, I guess. Yeah, take you off ignore. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> all right, good to know. I didn't know that that worked that way. Yeah. I thought we had to be in the cabal or that, nope. you know what, the, the stupid chat. And by the way, uh, what the frick? I was doing a mission in the library, and we finished, and we're looking at our rewards, and I saw some dude doing a dance emote. How did he get that, and where do I get it? Uh, they're all slash commands. I, uh, duh, slash I know. How, I played MMOs. You hit slash dance, and it doesn't do anything. That's Wait, a good I, question. I had that problem, too, honestly. I, I don't know. Uh, well, I even I even messaged him. I clicked on his character, right-click, send tell. Hey, dude, how did you do the dance emote? And he ignored me. He did not tell me. So, you know what, Tom? If yeah? you Google image search for Rear Master, it'll show you how to do that. <laughs> yeah, you really should immediately. So Rear Master Dance, look for that on Google image. Okay, yes, good. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That'll, good that'll get you there. 
<laughs> All right. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, join us next week next week for our regular games and news of the week and a fair bit of chat about Guild Wars 2 and Sacrifice. Uh, yes. So join us for that. Chris, thank you so much for hanging out with us today, uh, especially since I know that your power outage ate into a lot of your playing time. So. Yeah. Just like Mr. McMaster, Correct. like Rear Master here, you got some catching up to do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thanks, and uh, we'll see everyone around on the forum. Hey, all. So we dropped the Gnarls Barkley for the last bit. How did you know that was Gnarls Barkley? Because I, I would have expected... a lot of music. <laughs> I thought Chris would know that, but I had no idea you would know Gnarls Barkley, McMaster. And you, you, you wave across, weigh my suggestions of music, I swear. God. <laughs> I'll bet you don't know what this is from. No, God. No earthly idea. <laughs> this is actually what I watched during the power outage for uh, 44 hours was three seasons of the X-Files. Oh, ouch. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> hey, I... I it, it was. I couldn't good. play the game, so I had to do, you know, something to establish flavor and make me want to play it when it, I got power back. Get your lightning boy on. That's what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good episode. <laughs>